Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bowe talk about confessions and why they are a biblical principle. Welcome to episode two of Being Lutheran. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And today we're going to build off of the conversation that we had last time of introducing this idea of having a confession and uh, holding to a, a body of teaching and a, a group of writings as, uh, as that doctrine, as being good, sound uh, teaching, good, sound biblical summary of uh, what the Bible has to say on many different topics. And so, Jason, what are we uh, looking at uh, today? Well, we're going to start with the notion that having a confession is, in fact, a biblical principle. Okay. Uh, we kind of more or less expressed our opinions about the confessions in episode one, where we talked about how they are summaries of Scripture, they're good governing authority over our uh, beliefs, but uh, that doesn't derive anything from Scripture. And so I think it would be best if we're going to be talking about a document or a group of documents that summarizes Scripture to see that these, in fact, are scriptural principles that we are supporting. Right. Okay. And so as we think about that and as you, as you read the Bible and as you look at Scriptures, uh, there are different places where it seems like there is a, a bit of a summary of Scripture uh, in terms of uh, having like a mini confession within Scripture. And so um, what's a good place that we could go to for that? Well, the, the place we want to start at is Matthew 16. And the section we'll be looking at is Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Uh, this is just a tremendously important passage in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, it opens up with Jesus asking the question that people have been asking for 2,000 years about him now. Jesus uh, turns to his disciples, and we're in Matthew 16, 13, and he asks them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And that's really the question uh, Christianity has to answer. Who is Jesus? Who do people say that Jesus is? And you you get so many different mm -hmm. theologies, different expressions right, uh, of theology based on your answer to that question. Sure, a description of who Jesus is um, and uh, what you believe about him. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, uh, the disciples answer for others, and then they answer for themselves. So the disciples first answer Jesus and say, some say John the Baptist, mm -hmm. others say Elijah, or others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus gets to the second big question, but who do you mm -hmm. say that I am? And this is where Peter comes in uh, with one of the most important verses in all of the Gospel of Matthew. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter confesses to mm -hmm. Jesus what his belief about Jesus is. And then what you'll note in this passage, in verses 17 and 18, Jesus uh, commends Peter. He says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, And, on, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock mm -hmm. I will build my church. Right. And, and that's it. This is now, first of all, one of the differences between the Roman Catholic yeah, Church and the bring that Lutheran up. Church. Uh, you have the Roman Catholic Church says that on Peter, mm -hmm. the church is built. And this right. is where the office of the papacy 
has been instituted, but Protestants and Lutherans for the last 500 years have been confessing right. that it is on Peter's confession right. that what, Jesus what is the says, Christ. What he says about Jesus. Yes, right. exactly. Uh, and that is the basis of the institution of the church. So the very first time the church is defined by Christ himself, it is defined as having a confession. Yeah, and so that's where Jesus goes in that passage, and uh, he says very clearly, and he affirms Peter in his confession that he is indeed the Savior. And so that is the confession on which we stand on today, uh, all these many years later. Yeah, the confession, and and really our confession in the confessions, if you want to go there, is that all of Scripture, Mm -hmm. all of theology really points us to Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. If your particular branch of theology or your particular study of Scripture doesn't deliver Jesus crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, something has broken down in the process. And so uh, Jesus is central and integral to the existence of the church because, as I mentioned um, last time when I received assurance of salvation, that quote from the large catechism, for we are in the church where there is nothing but the continuous uninterrupted forgiveness of sins. This flows here from mm-hmm. Matthew 16, 19, or 17, 18, and 19, I should say, uh, in Peter's confession of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that relates to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that he wants to preach Christ and him crucified, that the summary of of his preaching and teaching and of of the preaching and teaching that you should be listening to should be focused on the person of Christ and who he is as our our Savior and as the one who has won for us forgiveness and delivers it to us. Absolutely. And this is built into then Lutheran theology that the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, his shed blood, the atonement, all that is central to everything we do, which mm-hmm. is why then the expression of Lutheran theology always ends up in comfort for your conscience, right. because you are always being presented with what God has done for your salvation. Sure. So, so Jason, let me ask you this, and I want you to flesh this out for me. This is all well and good, but what does this look like in practice in church life and as it comes out in the life of a congregation? Well, in the life of the congregation, uh, there's so many ways you can look at it. Uh, in in practice, the life of the congregation is wrapped around the order of the worship service. Uh, and so one of the things you would know is that a worship service, all of the elements of that worship service are designed to deliver the gospel to you. Mm-hmm. The only thing we are bringing to the table in worship mm-hmm. is our sins. Right. And we're confessing our sins. And then immediately after confession of sins, you ought to be comforted with the gospel, whether it's by direct absolution, mm-hmm. where it's a declaration that your sins are forgiven or whether it's by a promise of grace from Scripture, whatever the case might be, all of the elements of the worship service are designed to point you back to the cross. Right. Yeah, and then uh, you know, later on in that worship service, in the preaching of the sermon, you should hear that good news of Jesus um, each and every time. Yeah, you hear the gospel preached, even in the reading of the Scripture, Uh, lessons. The gospel is being proclaimed to you because one of the confessions we have again, that every part of scripture, every element of scripture, every word is serving a larger 
narrative that is pointing you back to Jesus. And so the history of Israel in the Old Testament is typifying Christ. Mm -hmm. It is pointing us to Christ. The worship practices of the Israelites are pointing us to Christ as our high priest. The poetry of Psalms is delivering Christ's prayers or prayers about Christ. Uh, The prophecy is predicting Christ Mm -hmm. and predicting the forgiveness of sins. It's all built in to what God's message is for you, and that's forgiveness of sins. Yeah, that's awesome. And so we've been talking here about the church having this confession, the confession that's wrapped up in the person of, of Jesus. And Jason, as we've talked about that, let's transition here into talking about, uh, well, what do we do with that message? What's the what's a commission? What what have we been given from God? Where do we find that in Scripture? Yeah, and, and it's interesting that we're going to stay in the Gospel of Matthew here, but the church's foundation, being on Scripture, is a confessional foundation. The church's activity or mission mm-hmm. is a confessional mission, and the mm-hmm. Great Commission is always a good summary there in Matthew chapter 28, right. verses 18 through 20. We look at how uh, Christ taught his disciples to make disciples. The, right. the, the main function of the Great Commission, and, and it's a little bit harder to see in English because you, you start at verse 19, there's a lot of action going on. Mm-hmm. You have go, therefore, yep. you have make disciples, you have baptizing, you have teaching. Right. But if we return to the language which the, the Great Commission was originally uh, communicated in the Greek language, the action verb in all that is make disciples. Right. So the purpose of a Christian... And the function of the church in society is to be a disciple-making venture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so all of the other action verbs in English uh, help facilitate how disciples are being made. So, uh, you know, one of the ways I've learned you can rephrase the Great Commission is as you are going, mm-hmm. make disciples, and you do this by baptizing right. and teaching. Right. Yeah, and so those other words that sound like action words are actually the the how the how of carrying out this idea of making disciples, and so this this podcast is part of that teaching as well. That uh, we we pray that that you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, one who is connected to your Lord and Savior, and can constantly receiving that grace upon grace upon grace, and uh, living your life uh, in light of that too. Yeah, and it, it's not only the how, but also the when. Mm-hmm. It describes when the church is doing it. And, and for the Christian, the, the act of making disciples is is part built into your daily life as a Christian. It's as you are going, be making disciples. So we are living our lives mm-hmm. of faith as we interact with the real world. And in doing that, our good works, the, the nice things we do, the pious expressions of our faith, our holiness— Uh, Our observation of God's commands as Mm -hmm. Christians is what draws people then into the church to hear the word of the gospel. So that's the, as you are going, or go therefore. And then the the disciples are made in two ways. There there are two uh, principal parts to making a disciple in the Great Commission. The first is by baptizing, Mm -hmm. and the second is by teaching. Uh, Now, Baptism is all over the map, mm-hmm. and especially in American Christianity. Right. But what we're focusing on here as Lutherans in baptizing is specifically the application of God's grace in the gospel. And that mm-hmm. happens both audially 
with the or audibly audibly yeah is that audibly a word? yeah i'm going to coin new terms here audibly uh, with the preaching of the gospel romans 10:17 faith comes by hearing and hearing right. through the word of christ but it also happens physically mm-hmm. that god has attached his gospel promises mm-hmm. in his word to physical elements right and so when the scripture says you are baptized in the name of the father son and the holy spirit you are being connected to the name of god uh, through the the physical elements as that is connected with God's word, and so uh, that's that's what the confession Lutheran confessions flesh out, and and we'll, I'm sure down the road we'll we'll talk more about that. Several sections of the Book of Concord to talk about baptism. Unfortunately, now isn't the time. Yeah, it suffices to say that the. Uh, the Lutheran confession of what the sacraments are of baptism and the Lord's Supper, the foundational confession we make is that these are things that God is doing for us, not things we are doing for God. Mm-hmm. And so grace is applied in the sacraments. That's the first half of mm-hmm. what Jesus tells us to make a disciple. The second half is teaching. Mm-hmm. And so there is a specific set of teaching that is utilized to communicate the gospel. And again, this goes to what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm that all of scripture points us to Christ. And so when we're teaching the faith, we are teaching the faith for the emphasis of the forgiveness of sins and comfort for the burdened conscience. Sure. So so let me ask you this, Jason, and, and maybe our listeners are, are thinking, well, what's the place of, of the commands of God? You, you're talking about the grace in the teaching part. Do you, do you think that uh, we should leave out the, the teaching of of uh, the commands of scripture. How does that fit in with, with this idea of growing as a disciple? Yeah, we've already mentioned once before the law gospel distinction. You did a good job talking about that last episode, Brett. Uh, but the law is the part of God's word that communicates his requirements for us to please him, mm-hmm. his requirements for holiness. The gospel is the part of God's word that communicates what he has done for us, the promises he delivers to us. And, and so often the very first confusion you mm-hmm. get when you become aware of the sweetness of the gospel is this desire to abandon the law. Mm-hmm. Because our salvation... As if the law is bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If the, the law is bad or it's not necessary because our salvation is based entirely on the gospel. The, the law has nothing to do with our salvation except that it drives us to God for mercy. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that. So uh, you end up with this confusion that the law is not necessary or that it is bad, mm-hmm. uh, but that is entirely false. First of all, the law is God's word. Yep. It's in the word of God, which means God spoke it. God is never wrong. God doesn't lie. He's perfect. So the law, therefore, flows from that character of God. The law is perfect. The law doesn't lie. The law is scripture. And the second thing is the law has a function in serving the gospel. We mentioned the, the law drives us to Christ. It, it makes it known to us that we can't obey the law. And one of the great confusions in the Reformation was this distinction that if God issued a law, he implies that we're able to do it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't ask us to do what we're not able to do, and that's entirely false. Because it is in God's interests as a God of grace and mercy to communicate to us that we can't earn his favor. Mm-hmm. Because then we fall on our knees before him, we plead for mercy, and he has nothing but grace and mercy to offer us. Uh, Secondly, the law also communicates to us the will of God. It communicates to us what he wants us to do, but it's not completely arbitrary in doing that. It's, you know, God didn't like sit up in heaven and he's not like, well, I should probably not have them steal 
I should probably not have them kill, things like that. No, the law in reflecting God's will also shows us God's character. Mm-hmm. So it, the commandment, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, uh, re- reflects to us the exclusivity of God. There is one true God. Uh, the second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, who taketh his name in vain, reflects to us the holiness of God, mm-hmm. and that his name ought to be used appropriately. The fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. God is a God who creates and loves life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on and so forth. The law has several functions for the life of a Christian, but primarily the law is there to accuse us of not obeying the law. Mm-hmm. And that keeps bringing us back to the grace of God, the, the good news of Jesus. And so, you know, as a disciple of Jesus, maybe there are people out there that think that being a disciple, and you read the Great Commission where it says, teach them to observe all that I commanded you. Uh, they maybe think that the Christian life is all about law or abiding by God's commands. And uh, what I hear you saying, Jason, is that uh, the law is, is still there and it's it's a good thing in, in our, our life as Christians. But uh, we also are constantly driven back to the need for grace um, every single day. And that's what sanctification is. Right. That's the process of becoming holy is living in law and gospel. I mean, right. there are, especially in the New Testament, several commandments given exclusively to Christians. Uh, the, the easiest point of reference is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Mm-hmm. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Outdo one another in doing good. Those sorts of things are laws, commandments given to Christians. And, and our response as Christians is to say, uh, this is what God wants us to do. Let's go out and do them. But our response as Christians also is that our sinful nature still clings to us. And mm-hmm. so at some point in time, and in it's regularly and often, mm-hmm. we're going to fail to do the things God wants Christians to do. Right. And that's where the sanctification happens. Because when you fail, when the law accuses mm-hmm. you, the, the command of God, the appeal of God, the invitation of God is to repent, mm-hmm. to confess your sins, and then to receive grace and mercy, to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that that's excellent. And so what we're getting to is this idea of the Christian life or the life as a disciple of Jesus is one of repentance and faith, repentance and faith, turning uh, from sin as the law convicts us and uh, seeking grace and mercy from Christ and clinging to the promises of God uh, by faith. And so that's what a disciple is. And that's uh, that's what a Lutheran disciple is, is somebody that uh, walks in repentance and faith as God is is uh, leading us to see our sinfulness uh, as we measure up our lives against the law of God and then uh, to see his grace and mercy to us uh, afresh and new each day. And, and that's the real key to understanding what's going on here, especially in the Great Commission. The emphasis of being a disciple is not on the sincerity of your commitment to Christ. Mm -hmm. The emphasis of being a disciple is on faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you focus on the sincerity of your commitment, you're always going to discover that you need to be more committed. Mm -hmm. You, You need to be a better follower of Jesus. And that is well and good and has its place because the law is a turning. 
It's a turning, like you said, from sin to God, but the repentance, I I should say, but repentance also is a turning away from ourselves Mm -hmm. as the mode of salvation and turning to God to receive salvation freely given to us because of Christ on the cross. Yes, that is fantastic, Jason. And I think you've hit the nail on the head here of uh, just a really key, important uh, teaching in the church. And so uh, we've, we've heard... Uh, in this session, in this uh, episode, uh, this idea of the the Great Commission of what Jesus has has done for us, what he he calls us to do in, in making disciples, and what that means and what that looks like, and that is all founded on the confession of who Jesus is, that He is our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Being Lutheran. Please check out our website at beinglutheran.com. Join us for our next episode as Pastor Jason and Pastor Brett talk about confessions and how they serve as boundaries and safeguards.